afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Cooper and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. This episode is uh, an interesting one. Uh, this is one where we I talked to Daniel Moran from the, the Fabulous Reaper, a great band you want to really want to check out and all the stuff that Dan does. And we'll get into that when we do the, the, the show as well. He does a, an enormous amount of really cool shit. Um, and, and what we kind of wanted to do with this, this show was kind of... Um, put it out there of some of the possibly the options for musicians who are currently under quarantine that maybe they haven't considered both from a branding point of view and from a kind of a mental point of view as well and kind of practicing and regimes and all that type of thing and and, and kind of throwing into one sort of podcast to entertain and, and in, in between we'll, work, we'll weave in some stuff with, with Dan himself who's incredibly hard work and trying to you know inventive person to try and find ways to kind of both boost his time and optimize the time he spends doing stuff you know very active sort of individual and i thought that was going to be really interesting before we we get into to that as well i went on getting to this as live stream which was fantastic really really great feedback from that and one of the things that got fed back from it was that the the, the live thing can seems to be working seems to be people who, who were interested in it and i so i continued on facebook live i continued like a, the, the show afterwards with just me and the feedback was really good so much in fact that we're going to do a show on friday between 8 and 10 on facebook live i'll try it on different formats like youtube and and, and twitch and instagram and all that type of thing but we kind of tried it out and it worked a sound check if you will and it worked people were really responsive people you know had stuff to talk about and things like that and made some really great suggestions so i'm going to try it again and do it on friday and um, and see really how that works out it might be might be awful might be amazing so but i'm going to try it because it's not going to be able to do the, the spoken metal live anytime soon it has to be that it's going to be through through this through this method so that's going to be the spoken metal show live between eight and ten on friday which is the first and we're going to talk about whatever we want to talk about there's going to be a whole bunch of topics that i'll put up as well there'll easily be stuff that we we, we need to cover and we need to talk about for, for now this is myself and Daniel Moran from Reaper talking about surviving uh, during the quarantine, what it's like for a musician. So I'm a returning guest, um, a now spoken metal show uh, alumni, uh, Daniel Moran from, from the fabulous Reaper. Welcome hey, back, sir. How's it going? Who comes back onto this fucking show? Who comes back onto it? Like, you know what I mean? They didn't le- learn from the last time. Shit. <laughs> How you no, doing, big no, man? All right. Uh, no, my aim is to ruin my life, man. Let's do it. Let's I'll do, do that. It. I'll do that. I'll, I'll at least give an hour, two hours of, of nonsense for you, no problems at all. How's things going? How are you surviving? Uh, honestly, it's weird, like, given that it's kind of shut down a lot of outside work, um, it's given me so much more free time because I'm, I'm not teaching anywhere near as much. So now I've got six days to be able to do whatever I want. So as a result, it's like, well, I might as well sink it into band work. And as a result, like the band stuff is just fucking exploded. Like it's super, super busy. Yeah. Dan, the reason, one of the reasons that we, we, we talked about getting Dan on again, and we had a conversation off, uh, off pod. We were talked about how we're, we're framing this, this particular podcast podcast about uh, musicians and during lockdown, what you can do, and some of the things, the challenges that you may face, and some of the options that you may have, because it, it, as Dan says, it, it doesn't stop. People that doesn't, don't stop listening to music. In fact, they probably listen to more music now during this lockdown thing, 
and watching what some of the stuff that, that Dan was doing, particularly with Twitch, with that type of thing and live streaming, it was really interesting to kind of see, you know, you almost kick it up a gear. The minute this kind of happened, you obviously in your mind, you were like, I'm going to start really leaning into the stuff because I can't go out and play a show and I can't go out and teach a guitar to people or whatever. I'm going to lean into this and really kind of uh, embrace it and try and do as much as I can. Was was there a very much a definite sort of thought process that yeah, that's what you wanted to do? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. The reason being was because when all of this started hitting off, me and the lads were talking about this and we were thinking, well, there's a very solid chance that any shows that we had lined up for the next few months are not going to exist anymore. And as a result, we can't pour our efforts into a practice regime or working on our live show when ultimately it's redundant and it's a, it's wasted time. Yeah. So we were thinking, well, how do we make the use of what is now an abundance of time? So, for example, with uh, Dalton, our guitarist, uh, Anthony, he uh, he's a key worker because he works um, in part of, like, I think he works in the Sainsbury's at the moment. So because he's working, like, supermarket work for the time being, and his sister and his mum are also NHS workers, like, he's up the wall. So we were like, well, we'll get him when we can. But the three of us have basically, like, got a day's worth of got a day's worth of work a week or nothing at all. So we were like, well, we've got six days to work with here now, so what are we doing? So uh, advice for a band right now, start working on a ton of material. Start learning how to use a DAW. Start working on streaming and build your social media platforms because while the market's going to be saturated because so many people are going to be thinking of the same thing, it also means that you, it gives you time to look at your analytics. So, for example, if your band does well around 8 p.m. for your posts, it's like, well, that's when most people are watching your posts when things weren't kicking off like this. You're now going to have a completely different set of analytics that you've got to make sure you keep on top of. So you look into that, you start putting some advertisements out, you boost up, you know, you play the social media game a little bit more. But on top of that, it's like you've got so much time to do home practice as well. Like my mission statement across this um, across this lockdown is for us to have enough material to not need to write anything for the next year. Mm. So I mean, so, right, uh, this, is, this is why we get Dan on. We get Dan on because he's he's full of knowledge and, and stuff and, and he's never... You think I can talk to your listeners, Dan can talk, and it's all sense, it's all good stuff. Listen, any guy that on his wall has the three of the trilogy of John, uh, George Romero's Dead series on his thing knows what the fuck he's talking about. That's how, Dan, that's how Dan's prepared for it. Does he see what the fuck it, what it's like when the dead rise, and he see what happens? <laughs> so so we've got, we got a lot to unpack there, but let's start. Let's start with something very simple. One of the things that has to change is your attitude because you it used to be that a, a lot of working musicians would, would do their day in work, finish when they come home from work, and do what they need to do, practice, jam, whatever it may be. And then occasionally on their days off, their one or two days off they had in a week, they would kind of lean into social media, lean into maybe recording and stuff. And, and it, all that's kind of changed and been thrown up in the air, as we've said. But the first thing you've got to realize is now – that you've got time, that you've got time. You always used to sit there 
in a band and go, oh, we never have enough time to jam, or we never have enough time to write songs, or we never have enough time to learn this, or we never have enough time. You never now that excuse has been taken off the table. It needs to be embraced. So I think the very first thing a musician has to do is 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 have that attitude change of now it's gone from zero to 100 miles an hour that we can now get out and we can now do stuff. We can get out. We can kind of we can open up what we're doing and look more at the whole business of what you've got. Um, and I think that that's the first sort of thing for me is an attitude change. Know that just because gigs have stopped and the other side of things have stopped, it doesn't mean that anything else needs to stop because there'll be some musicians that won't know what to do now. They'll be like, I'm not very familiar with social media. I'm not very familiar with things and that type of thing. And I think that that's, that's quite, quite dangerous. I think that, you know, you, you need to embrace these things. I always talk about Steve Vai saying he was like, you could see all these different avenues for releasing your music and putting stuff out there as being there's far too many, there's far too much stuff to learn, and it's a nightmare, and I'm not going to get involved. You could see it as that way, or you could see it as a million opportunities to do stuff, a million opportunities to kind of, let's have a look at this, let's have a look at that. And I'll give you a very small example of that. When I launched the podcast show, The Spoken Metal Show, I didn't think that SoundCloud would be the platform du jour for my listeners that people would listen on. Turns out it is. Guess what? I lean into that. You lean into the various avenues that work. So I think, first of all, attitude change is, is incredibly important. Um, and not like, you know, staying in bed till till midday and, 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 not, and, and sitting outside and just watching endless television. Do you know what I mean? Switch the television off. You know what I mean? It's time to get to work now. You've had, you've always wanted this time to do stuff with the band and your project. Now you've got it. Yeah. It's like, I mean, pretty much nail me Ted. The, the thing for me is like, this is really put a cat amongst the pigeons and I'm seeing so many different bands that have like been grinding at this for so long now. And I've watched them just completely just go, okay, now it's time to adapt. And then I've watched all the bands that pull out the same tired excuses over and over of, oh, you know, we're not great at social media, or we have problems doing this thing, or we have issues putting out music, or da 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 And as soon as this kicks off, and it's like, okay, here's six days a week, or here's seven days a week, yeah. if all four of you aren't key workers, which you might be, but yeah. if you're not, here's a ton of free time for you to work with. Are you going to do it now? Nine times out of ten, they don't. And it's yeah. like, well, clearly you don't want to put the, the elbow grease in that is required for you to do this job. Because the thing about this that I'm also going to say with regards to any advice that I'd have to give is this is what you should have been doing. This is the work yeah. you should have been putting in. And I realize yeah. this now because I'm waking up at like fucking half past 10, 11 o'clock, you know, in the morning, bored. I'm staying up to half past Sunday. 3, 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah, it just shifts. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Cranking out as much work as I can. Yeah. So, you know, now I've got basically, you know, these four albums solo-wise that I want to work on have been kind of coming together a little bit more. Uh, the Reaper stuff has just gone off massively thanks to Fat Angel PR who have been helping us push the song that we just recently released as well. And I've got another project that I'm working alongside that I'm, I'm keeping under wraps until the, the the guy who's spearheading it makes mention of it. I'm sure he already has, but I just want to make yeah. sure that we're, you know, make sure to, that we're... To those, to those listeners not familiar with, with Dan's work and, and the band Reaper, Dan may be the Devon Townsend of, of the Northwest metal scene <laughs> because he does fucking... A bit, 
a billion projects doing all kinds of stuff. And that's the point. That's the point. It's like, I think there's three types of people musician-wise during this sort of lockdown. There's person one, I don't know how to do these things, so fuck it, I'll just use the time off. I don't know how to do I'm not going to learn how to use Twitch. I'm not going to learn how to use Twitter. I'm not going to... I'm not going to learn. I'm not going to embrace some of these streaming things because everybody's doing it or whatever excuse you want to use. And they kind of sit and, and, they, and they wait for everything to return to in inverted commas normal. Then there's a group of the musicians in the middle who are like, right, I'm going to start to dabble in this thing. I'm going to try and learn some stuff. I'm going to try and push myself forward and try and look at another aspect of the business and my brand and what I'm doing as a band to kind of go to the next sort of stages. And then you've got other people who are at the very end of the spectrum who are already doing this shit. And they're going, by the way, our live stream of our entire show we're filming goes live. This time, there's all this pr- promotion behind it. It gets executed really, really well. Have a look at someone like... There's, there's, what's interesting is, have a look at someone like Metallica. The minute that was announced, all these things started to pop up that Metallica were going to be doing. We're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing whatever. And you're like, who's? where's that all come from? And it's because they've, they've already been in, encapsulating online streaming and stuff like that. Devin Townsend, now we're talking about, is a really good example didn't know how to use like podcasts and stuff like that. Didn't know what it was. Puts up a post going, do you want to hear some podcasts? Everybody's like, yeah, sound like about two days later, he's got three episodes of podcasts about a project that he's doing. He's now filming the project and everything. And you're like, that's how you fucking do it. They're so good as well, man. Like I was listening to the ocean machine and the city one the other day and just, they're just belter. Cause like, you know, with the good weather and things, I'm pretty fortunate that I've got decently sized garden and fences to, you know, make sure that I'm keeping social distancing with the neighbours, and uh, they're good folks. But like, when I'm when I'm sat in the garden and things, it's just better to just listen to, because like taking breaks is just as important as like really cranking some work. Agree, because yeah. my God, like if you if you push hard enough on this, like given what's going on at the moment, and you really try and push yourself, it's great. But like, I felt it the other day. I did like basically a twelve hour back-to-back non-stop um shift of just Crazy. inboxing people throwing links around doing the pr yeah. about sigil responding to comments yeah. and things and i was up at like 10 a.m and everything prepared for that and then i did the live stream at the end and then i was recording a demo at the very end yeah. from like 11 till 1 of personal stuff and i just got into bed and i slept for like 11 hours i was like what the fuck just happened yeah you've done a shift like that's what's happened you know and that's that's kind of the other thing is that it, so is that Know that there is a, a billion sort of opportunities for, for available. If you're like wondering, okay, I'm going to start. I've got the attitude. I want to move forward. I want to kind of do something. Be aware that there is a massive amount of stuff you can do. But also be aware that, like you say, that you do need to rest. You know, you do need to take breaks and stuff. And I want to bring, I want to kind of bring this in as well. So I think at this stage now, I think if you're a musician, uh, a recording artist, uh, or, or any kind of play, any kind of musician, now is the time to start listening to music you haven't heard before as well. Listening to podcasts you haven't heard before um, and trying to kind of embrace listening to music that you maybe wouldn't really normally listen to, not necessarily, you know, outside of the metal genre, but certainly a band. I try and listen to, about an average, an entire album of music by someone I've never even heard of, not on a list, I've never even heard of. And I try and listen to them completely in an album. I listen to kind of stuff that I, I really enjoy that gets me motivated. And then I listen to stuff that's on me backlog and me, and me back catalog. But I listen to whole albums. I'll listen to playlists of these people because I find that that really kind of 
it helps me break and sit in the garden, listen to something like that. I'll listen to a podcast, but then it helps me kind of take that back to my own stuff. I write better riffs after I'm listening to my sugar at the moment, for example. And I hadn't really listened to my sugar for, for a long time. And I've been listening back to like Chaosphere and stuff like that. And then when it came back to, to playing on the guitar, I found that I was doing new stuff and new ideas. The podcasts that I'm listening to like Devon's and stuff like that. Uh, I found as informed what I'm doing with with the podcasts. People always talk about being bereft of input at this because they can't go outside. Not true. You can watch films, you can watch movies, you can listen to music, you can listen to people's podcasts, and this is the time to do it. You know, this is the time to support your local scene. Find someone like Reaper and go and listen to their music. Now you've got you've got no excuses. You can listen while you're working. You've got like you know. 12 13 14 hours of a day to fill up with something you can hear you can do all that while you're working away on a website you can do all that now is the time to listen to more music as well like yeah for sure that's um actually a good thing you bring that up because recently a thing we've done and we need to do an addition to this because we, we i think we set it up in like february and we haven't made any additions to it but we, we've done quite a few people that we immediately thought of uh, we set up a Spotify playlist called Reaper's Grassroots um, Reaper's Grassroots Picks, okay. and it's basically just a full playlist of um, bands that we think that you should be listening to that are in like the underground scene at the moment across the right. UK. Yeah. And um, it's basically just me, Dalton, Elliot, and uh, Anthony Longworth, our drummer, who I will now refer to as Scouse Dave because that is basically his legal name now. <laughs> Long story. Um, so all four of us are basically just throwing local bands into there that we're just like, yeah, these are sick, get them on. Because then it's like, well, you know, if we push that around and go, hey, do you guys guys have any suggestions to add to this playlist? By the way, if you haven't listened to already, give it a look. Mm. Because that gets the local bands finding contacts, and it also gets Ah. the people who are following those bands checking out new ones and potentially building new builds. And right now, that's crucial because you're seeing gigs getting put back to, like, autumn time. But the good news about this is all those bands with, like, scattered gigs across the next three or four months, because they now have to reschedule them, they can just pin them into the same one month and build an entire tour just from having a backlog of cancelled gigs. Mm. So it, it's it's entirely based on, like, what your perspective and is and how you... Perception of it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's how you decide to handle these things, so... Yeah. You could see it as, oh, man, we've just lost eight gigs. Our, you know, our gigging rota for the next two months, two and a half months is ruined. And for sure, I'm not um, dismissing that that's, you know, detrimental to people's, even some people's income, because obviously there are bands that will have been affected by this that are now losing serious dollar. But the other way you can look at it is, well, how do I make that dollar back? How do I figure out how to get a plan B sorted? And where am I going to move all of these things that I've lost so that I can regain them at a later stage? You're basically creating a backlog of work for yourself from autumn onwards. Yeah. So one of the things that it it, kind of reading about these uh, musicians and kind of how to like look at the different sorts of streams, as people would say, the different revenue streams. So now a lot of uh, some bands would maybe use occasionally use Facebook, dabble in Twitter, dabble in Instagram and stuff like that. And then they would play live and that would be pretty much their whole world. As we now know, that's, that's only a very small portion of what you can actually do. When you sat there at the beginning of this time and said to yourself, well, hold on, I've got a band I want to promote. I've got a band I want to work on. I've got several independent projects that I want to do as well. How do you, 
decide what you're working on and how do you decide on what platforms you're going to look at? Did you get yourself a list? What did you do? I looked at stuff that we weren't already doing. So, okay. for example, with um, with our social media stuff, like we do Facebook a lot. Mm-hmm. Twitter for us is just a dumpster fire. We have a few people that kind of just pop in and out, <laughs> have fun and things. So we were just like, well, do you know what? Twitter, generally speaking, is for people who are well-established and building up a scene. And Reaper have got a consistent um, rise in followers since we just made it a complete shit post. It's just dumbass <laughs> stuff we say in the middle of gigs and stuff we say for the lap and things we do on stream. It is just basically a meme page. But right. that's working and it's getting us contact. So we were like, well, that works for that. So we're doing this. We'll Facebook doing. was fine. Instagram was fine. So we were like, well, what aren't we really doing anything? And just to be, just to clarify and just, just for the sake of honesty, our YouTube was horribly stagnant. We did almost nothing with it until I released that funny little video called The Wonderful World of Reaper, which is basically us saying all four of us are total dipshits, but we make some half-decent music, so if you want to come and say, hey, this is what we do. Yeah. So it's like, now we started, I've started doing little skit videos. I'm going to start looking through Skype calls of business meetings that we've had so that we can like basically compile together a vlog of sorts of what we're yeah. doing. And we're going to be putting up the VODs from our Twitch streams if we're not recording stuff for Album 2 that we don't want to show off. Um, and then we moved to Twitch because we were thinking, well, we all like video games. We like streaming. People want to hear more music. People want to get involved with the writing process. And there's so much music that we've got sat around not doing anything until the second album's released. And we're excited to show people, let's put it on Twitch and make these streams exclusive. So when you come into these streams, you're hearing a song that you might not hear again until this album is released, which we won't put a date on until it's recorded professionally. So while we're working through the demos, they get to see us and how we work, what our writing thing is, and we get really good feedback from our crowd. So I was like, well, this is a catch-all because it gives us information on our work. It gets us constantly up our laptops so we can continue updating the social media that we have existing. And it gives us a ton of content for, let's be honest, a dead YouTube page. So we were like, okay, let's do it. And then we did it. And that's that. an interesting phrase you use there, uh, a catch-all. I think that's an interesting, that's great. That That's an interesting way of seeing it. Is that it's a case of, yes, you should be active on, on all different sorts of channels, if you will. But mm. if you do find a channel that kind of looks after all that, that's the one to really kind of invest in because you, it's impossible to keep up with the many different channels. You've got to kind of almost pick one or two that you can you can follow down. Before we get into that as well, you, you bring up like this work ethic that, um, Stampede, Rob from Stampede put a post up a, a couple of days ago where he was talking about how um, as much as he's a PR company and promotions, that there's an enormous amount of falls on the on the bands themselves to get it fucking done. And, and no promotions company worth the salt will take on a band who doesn't do their own fair share of the heavy lifting as well. They just won't do that. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You need to put your own shift in as well. Oh, yeah, no, what's the fucking point when you're paying 150 quid to a guy or girl to sort your stuff out? When it's literally you're just paying them to do the job that you should already be doing. I took your advice from that phone call that I made to you quite a while ago, man. If you could be doing it yourself, you don't need to pay someone to do it for you. It's and the, the, the dirty secrets about the music businesses. Um, record companies don't want to sign acts that you have to do an awful lot of work for. Promoters yeah, no. don't really want to. Your promotions company don't want to sign a company a band that they have to do a lot. They want ready-made, finished articles that they can help. You don't want, you, you know, you shouldn't be going, okay, well, I don't know what I'm doing. Here you go. Here's all your things. Get on with it. 
They want a band that's willing to put the fucking grind in and put the effort in to do it. Otherwise, they're not going to get invested because if you can't do it now, when it gets to being all important and you're doing like 10, 12 interviews a day and you're not and you're not asked, it's it's really going to show. That's the secret, guys, is there'll be PR companies and record companies out there watching these channels now more than ever uh, and seeing if a band at this stage isn't willing, when they go all the fucking time in the world, isn't willing to put the effort in. Fuck, when they go back to normal, you know, what the fuck, they might not even hear from them. So I it's, find it, yeah, I find it utterly hilarious at the fact that bands just think, oh, we're just going to send them our stuff, and if they like our music, they'll give us money, and then we'll make our music, and then everything's going to be grand. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. And it's like, you cannot seriously have been doing, like, especially for someone who's been, and put it this way, right, this is coming from someone who thought that for a yeah. long time. And yeah, got his shit together promptly after finding out. No, that's that's not the case. Not at all. If you build a deal or build a brand with someone, let's say for example, like a sponsorship. So let's say for example, we we're endorsed by an artist, a guy called Barnaby Oakley. He works with a thing called Crossfade Graphics. He does almost all of our artwork, and the man is a genius. Like some of the stuff he makes is absolutely gorgeous. Everything that we've released with art to it has come from him thus far. Yeah. And it, he's just a joy to work with. When we got him, when we got onto that first, um, when we got our first commission from him, we were just like, this is exactly the kind of person that we want to work with because he's willing to push himself and he's willing to be pushed by other artists. And equally, our, um, like all four of us are extremely vision heavy when it comes to presenting something. We're like, this needs to be spot on. This needs yeah. to capture something and i'll talk more about that when we get to sigil because there's tons to talk about in the art for that but like when all of that came together it's like well barnaby's getting something out of us because when we never stop talking or singing singing his praises to people mm. because the man's just legendarily talented and then equally we get something out of him because he's given us discounted work his work is very heavily focused on our stuff and you know he also gets a commission yeah. it's like i'm not being funny Barnaby is not going to let anyone be endorsed by him if they're just going to pay him a hundred quid a month for them to go, could you draw some picty pictures for me? Yeah. On what planet does that work? And it's all, it all comes down to the next sort of stage of things before you kind of start looking at your channels of output. The, now is the perfect time to collaborate with these people, with artists, with producers, with uh, you know people who can mix your work, people who can do set up web pages and so, stuff that you can't do yet. Like artwork can't be learned. So you you know you're either good at it or you're not. You can get better, but you know there's some stuff that you can't do a tutorial for, and you have to bring someone in and to do that, and that's okay. And now is the the most perfect time to collaborate. If I was in a band, I'd be trying to get on every fucking podcast I could find. I'd be trying to on everything. I'd be trying to get every stream I could find. Because now is the time when the, the number one excuse that people could give you when, when they don't want to work with you or they haven't or they, they haven't got time to work with you is that they're too busy. No one can say that anymore. I've yeah. been doing so many podcasts because previously the excuse would have been, I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'm going to be in work. And I'm like, no, you're not. So it's like, you, <laughs> you're you coming not, And, and amazingly, I've, I've managed to get conversations and there's some great conversations coming that have lined up. Um, with people I would have never been able to get in touch with. And it's the same for bands now, more than ever, there is collaboration is just abundant. There are some wonderful artists out there who design all kinds of beautiful stuff. 
and they're they're out there waiting for you to kind of go okay do our late album cover do our single cover anybody that's gone to a reaper show and um, particularly um the, the the last one i went to which was the metal to the masses one where the quality of the artwork and the quality of the merch was 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 superb and for a young band like didn't you sold out of all your t-shirts i think didn't you i think we sold out of about three different sizes of stuff like it just yeah. went yeah and and this is how fucking this is how fucking on the ball dan is i go to him getting a t-shirt yeah and he's like fucking they've sold out coop jog on even a spoken metal show can't get hold of one of those t-shirts that's how fucking <laughs> and it's and it's uh and it's that's that's one thing i want to lead into before we get into the channels and then sigil and stuff is the merch as well now more than ever is the time to sort your merch out and figure out what you're doing with your merch yeah, fucking hell it, it, merch is it we could do an entire podcast we do a whole series of podcasts on merch you need to get a list now as far as i can see get a list of everything that you think your your audience would buy be it badges wristbands hats beanies t-shirts whatever the fuck it is you need to start putting an idea of what you want to get because when it gets to the live thing and you switch the, the switch back on and we can start playing live shows if you haven't got fucking merch yeah when we start playing live shows if you're a band and you haven't got merch fucking shame on you because you've had no excuses and the question would be, well, okay, the, the people that make them aren't able to make them yet. Trust me, a lot of these companies are one or two people, and they live off these orders. They fucking just, they just do. And yeah. so merch is an incredible part of it, and it's definitely something that it could take. You could spend an entire week sorting your merch out, designs. Yeah, sure. no? yeah absolutely. Like, that's why we've sorted out, uh, we've, we've now actually just launched our merch site. Um, if I could take, like, Whole, uh, like we've just uploaded a site called purchasemerchis.com because we wanted a funny name and it's a funny name <laughs> so um, over up there at the moment we're selling we've just uh, made some mugs we've got a bunch of really cool new stuff like badges and patches and things coming in and a little item that we're going to keep on the sly until we get it delivered and so on uh, we're going to be doing a giveaway for it on the Saturday stream we're going to be doing a full commentary on Birth of Chaos and if you donate uh, five pounds or more to the stream, uh, you'll be entered into a giveaway for a free hoodie, a Bertha Chaos t-shirt and a Bertha Chaos CD, and all the donations that we're making from Twitch and Bandcamp and any royalties that we make over the course of time between now and the end of lockdown, it's all getting donated to the Imperial Health Organization to help uh, fund studies for COVID, and 50% of our merchandise that we make, merchandise profits that we make from purchasemerchis.com is also going to be getting donated. The only reason we want to keep the other 50 is so we can make more, so that we can raise more money. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Ask yourself this, dear listener. If you're in a band or you're a working musician or whatever, everything, that, like, when Dan gets one tiny, tiny thing, like, like, let's be at merch, look at what he does with it and runs with it. You know, look, every idea can be expanded, can be made bigger, can be made interesting and involving. You do giveaways, you involve your community. You involve charities and stuff like that. It's all waiting there for you. Merch is to merch companies now will be dying for your orders. They are dying for your orders, and I dare say they're probably willing to make good deals for it because they, that's their income too. Once yep. again, collaboration. So yep. when you start with all the kind of channels that you would potentially go down, it seems like Twitch seemed to be the biggest one to go down. Now. <laughs> There'll be some people listening who will know the word and maybe a little bit about it. 
but won't know kind of what it is. And many will assume it comes. It's a gaming thing. It's associated with video games. And on, on, and in, to a certain degree, yes, it's large portion of it is video games. And it was certainly born from that. It's now become a very different thing. Why then did you kind of really lean? You said it was a catch-all. Why did you lean into to Twitch then? Um, and what is it then? To, to explain to maybe the uninitiated. So. Twitch is basically a streaming platform where you get to go and watch people do stuff live and arguably you could watch them for free. You can also subscribe to them so that you can get exclusive material, which you can start doing once that channel makes what's called affiliate, which Reaper are now 26 followers away from making. Um, and once you do that, you can get like funny little emotes and things that you can put into the chat. And you can basically build a small community by having effectively live television um, from completely isolated, uh, sole, uh, self-employed, um, self basically, streaming uh, streamers. So for someone like us, because it's typically gaming-focused, we need to push it to our fans on Facebook and Instagram and all that who want to see our music material. But equally, the reason why we wanted to move to Twitch is because we're very much interested in also doing gaming stuff, because people... I, I don't like the idea... That I, Put it this way, right? I like the way that the music industry currently works for one reason. It doesn't monetize the art. It monetizes it monetizes the materialistic aspect of a band. That's how I genuinely believe it should be. The art should land as it is. The material stuff is the stuff that should be monetized because that those are like mementos and keepsakes, but ultimately they're material. Um as a result, you're basically building a merch brand. And you're basically building a platform for people to get involved with your content. The art is the thing you use to advertise it. I think that's how it should be. As a result, you can't just look at yourself as, oh, we're going to stream music and play music and write music and then sell music. It's like you can do that and plenty of bands do also do that. But you're missing a massive mark by not looking into other things like teaching, like gaming streams. Because, like, one of the highest streaming games on Twitch at the moment is Minecraft, yeah? And there are so many people who start up Minecraft streams for a laugh, right? And they get a couple of viewers in and things like that. We already have a fan base from playing music live. We have things that people who just do Twitch for fun, they don't have that. And we've spent years building them. If we have, like, 100, 200 fans who are big Minecraft fans and want to just tune in and throw some money at their favorite band to just play some stupid games... That's, it's a free, it's literally free money, like, for you to go and do that. Like, why would you not take that chance up? Why not work on that? Why not expand why, beyond why just close being that, I close that avenue down. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, well, it's, it's crazy to, to kind of, to, to, that is one of the ways that you can, like you say, you can monetize what you do. You can engage with your fans on a, on a one-to-one real-time basis. Why would you? Why would you not want to do that? You know, I, I think that's I think that's uh, really interesting. So, say I'm a band and I'm sitting there at home, and I, I let let's throw some some negativity out so we can kind of crush it with positivity. So you look at a Twitch. So someone would say, "Well, I can't go on Twitch because I don't have the equipment." Now, that's probably the first thing that's going to get a level at you. I can't, I go. Someone will go on Twitch now, and they will look at a, a particularly popular one. And what they don't realize, and here's the thing. What they don't realize is a lot of people are judging their work by what the best work is out there. And then they're stopping because they're going, okay, I can't do the best thing. That's like saying our last show 
wasn't as good as Metallica's live stream from Slain Castle. So we shouldn't do live shows streaming. It's madness. You're not yeah. going to be as good as the, the guy who's doing, you know, 10 million followers or whatever it may be on Twitch because he's, you know, he's kind of like, you know, looks like someone at Ninja. Right? So there's very, for those, to some people now, we'll be talking a foreign language. So it's, it's best that we navigate some people through. If you get someone like um, Ninja, who was on Twitch and then moved to another platform called Mixer, believe, or, or, or whatever it may be, but he was like a superstar. He was on ESPN's sports thing. He was on sports magazines. As a sporting personality, even though he played video games, he played Fortnite a lot. And um, his if you go back to his first sorts of streams and the first time he did it, it didn't look that great. But then it's evolved over many years and sponsorship and money being poured into being this amazing thing. You can't compare yourself to that. Look at Kevin Smith's first podcasts. They're terrible. They're terrible. Content's great, but they're terrible. But then he's done it for seven, eight, ten years, and now it's getting better. So you can't compare yourself initially to the people that are doing it well. You just have to do, interestingly enough, what Kevin Smith says and start. So how do I start a Twitch channel? What do I do? Okay, so let's get the obvious stuff out of the way. If you can follow a website to get to this podcast, you can set up a Twitch account. That's not particularly difficult. Just start doing that. If you want to get yourself a good microphone, fine. If you want to get yourself a good DAW, so you can start doing recording, fine. If you want to do gaming stuff, oh, no, so we got, we got, we, every so often I'll sidebar this. So microphones-wise, I picked up a microphone where I use. It's about 80, 90 pounds. A really great microphone, probably maybe 150, maybe 200 pounds. That sounds a lot, but that's a pretty good investment, that because that microphone will, will do for all kinds of things, video conferencing, interviewing, all that. That's not a lot. Can you do it all on your phone? I mean, probably. I've never tried, but why I've never not? Tried, but I, yeah, I, I know you can get Twitch as a, as, a, as, a, as a mobile app, you know. But the point being is, it's only maybe, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sure if you scour eBay, and I'm, let's be honest, a lot of musicians out there will have access to microphones all the fuck ready because they've been recording guitars, or it'd be recording whatever. So they probably will have this already. So a microphone, probably something fairly straightforward to get. Then you need a laptop or a PC. And they're cheap as chips. Laptops and PCs are cheap as chips. You don't really need an awful lot of processing power to do a live stream, I don't think. Um, I don't think not it requires a supercomputer. Yeah, not a great deal. If you're going to be, let's it's, it's, put it this way, right? The amount of stuff that you'll need or the amount of work that you're going to want to put in is entirely dependent on what exactly it is you're wanting to stream. So, I mean, you can stream from a PlayStation 4 for free, for nothing. It just has that built in. So if you've got a gaming console, there's every chance you'll just be able to stream from that. And why not? I used to do it when I was playing, like, Bloodborne and Rayman Legends, and I got, like, 9, 10 people in the viewer on on my view count. And here's something interesting for you. Roughly 91 to 92% worth of streams get zero viewers. So if you make even a single consistent viewer within your stream, you are amongst the top 10% of streamers. That's if you get three or four mates into your stream because yeah. people just go and stream and assume that shit's just coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. So when you when you kind of set, I mean, I've set, I, I think I, I, I've gone through Twitch and seen how to set it up and what have you. What did you, what were the first sort of things that you were streaming then? Right in the early days when I was just doing it for a laugh, I was streaming from a PlayStation 4 and doing gaming stuff. But the first real stream that I did with Reaper 
was we were recording demos. So I started uh, what we what we do on Twitch, what we specifically do on Twitch so far right now is we're going over all of our demo takes. And this is really good. So maybe if you're a band, maybe have a look into this. I think it's worth your time. Um, I'm recording the demos and the rhythm guitars for the demos that we've got ready up for album two. So we've got 12 songs on the album that will be coming out at some point next year because um, we really want to make sure that it's super tight for when we come to record it properly. Um, now, within those 12 songs, there are about four or five that we have played live consistently and two or three that we played every now and again. There are three or four songs we don't want to show until the album is released. And a couple of them we'd only really like to show off once or twice on rare occasions. So what we've done is gone, is gone okay, well, what songs are we willing to show people that we're going to do demo work of? And then space them out in the fact of like, oh, we've played that live a lot once, so maybe the next thing we'll do something completely fresh, so on. I'll re-record the rhythm, the rhythm guitar parts and solo, should they need to be done, and guitar harmonies and all of that. And I'll show people what the song's about, what kind of pace we're wanting to work with, how we're setting up all of these demo parts, and showing them that we're learning how to use this DAW as we're going on, because I'm very so, amateur with all when, that. When you, say, when you say DAW, for those who are uninitiated, DAW is... Digital audio workstation. So it's basically the thing that you record your music into and put onto your computer. Yeah. So what 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 Dan's talking about is, you know, well, say you're a guitar player or a drummer would be a good example here. Is that you have a set place where you do that thing. So you have your 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 amp set up and your pedal board or whatever, and your selection of guitars like I have here, and that's your place where you go to make noise, to do right riffs, to practice whatever it is. Drummer has a drum set up in a, in a quieter room, sets up how he wants, blah, 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 and that's how, how it goes. There's, there's, the same can be true for a digital workstation where somewhere that's set up where you can, at a drop of a hat, on, and you can record, and, and you can use video and audio and manipulate it and do everything you want straight away. So it's, you can literally get somewhere press a button and you're good to go. And if you, yep. you don't have to spend 20 minutes setting it up or an hour doing this or getting the light and it is good to go. Effectively, it's a studio. Now, that's the other thing I want to lead into, that it's very important to create a space and that space should be where, when you need to, you don't have any barriers to get to. And by that, I mean, if you want to do, if you want to go, you know what, I'm going to stream this or you know what, I'm going to put this on live or simply I'm going to record it. You don't want to have a barrier of, I need to set up mics, I need to set up a lighting area, I need to set up whatever. You don't need any of those barriers, so you can just go and be, and nothing gets in the way of the creative river that runs through. So what Dan's talking about is um, a, a digital workstation type of thing, somewhere you go to record and do these things. Now, you should, if you haven't already, be setting up a practice section uh, somewhere in your abode for playing, if you're a musician, for writing that. That can be a separate place, or it can be the same place where you record as well, because some people like to see that. And I want to sidebar before we go any further with that and say right now as well, as a musician, you should be practicing and woodshedding the ass off your stuff, not just what you're writing, but learning. You should be learning stuff, writing stuff, improving every facet of your playing, because now there's people like Steve Vai who are doing talks for two, three hours about ear training and there's people who are talking about their gear, showing you playthroughs of their songs, all that type of thing. The, the wealth of information is massive. You Right now, you should be writing, never mind the recording side of it, you should be writing as, me, as much as you can, stockpiling, if you will, riffs. So is, yep. that where, is that one of the things that you're doing as well? Are you kind of writing as we speak now as well? 
Oh, dude, tons. Yeah, for sure. We're improving the demos for the time being so that when lockdown lifts, we will be able to go into our practice space that we're going to be moving into with a couple of pals of ours from Raised by Wolves, who are great guys, and you should check them out. Very good band. Um, when we move in with them, once we have these demos set up, all I'll need to do is lay vocals down. And once they're ready to go and they're set up, we can then send them off to labels with the work that we've already done in the Motor Museum with Lowick, which is where we recorded our single Death Games and another single that will be released later on down the line. Um, we've recorded both of them. They sound amazing. And Lowick's a, an absolutely top-tier engineer. We'll send them off to labels and then we'll say, hey, this is what it's going to sound like. Here's the rest of the material demoed. Here are all of our lyrics. Here's all of our work. Here's our CV. Uh, just as a thing on that, right? If you're going to if you're gonna put together an EPK for a band, look at it like your band's CV. That is effectively what it is. If you're gonna send that off as like a job opportunity to these different places and you see you show them like what you're worth, like what your value is, but without being like a bit stuck up about it. <clears throat> if you're willing to put all the time in to show someone, hey, we're worth your time, here's the material to prove it and here's why. So, so, so what, what, what Dan's talking about there as well to uh, once again to maybe the uninitiated, and it'd be, I, I'd be amazed if he, if a band doesn't know this, but there probably will be someone. An EPK is an electronic press kit, and that is your digital representation of your um, calling card. It's your kind of here's what we're all about, here's what's going on, and that can be the the be all and end all of if a band or a record company or a promotions company or whoever looks at you. Because it'll be the first date with a com- with a company. A lot of the times, will be there. Your e- electronic press kit will be your first uh, kind of kind of a- a- a introduction to a band you've not heard before. If it's shit, it's a shit introduction. If it's really good, it's a really good introduction. I I got Deifieds a while back because I had, I had the chance to to listen to that, their album that's coming out, and it's and it, you can tell it's it's professional. It's one that was one of the best sort of electronic press kits I've ever seen. It was well put together, and I would go out there and start googling electronic pre- press kits and stuff and seeing what what looks out there. When you send an email to someone, it needs to look the shit. It needs to look fucking dead good because it's your first handshake with the with a bat with a, with anybody that's going to work with your band. One of the things that's going you should definitely be working on during this downtime is your electronic press kit and your introduction. That needs to be graphics links sound bites reviews synopsis all that type of stuff is ready because when you start going out fishing and working with these promotion companies that's what they're going to ask for any band that wants to get signed at a, 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 at a show that's what they're going to be asking for but here's the real secret that when you everybody always talks about the difficult second album and the reason that it's known as the difficult second album is because when they come to write it, you haven't had as much time to write as you did with the first album, and you kind of almost rushed into doing it, and it's normally a bit haphazard. But what Dan's talking about is you need to say, listen, when you sign us, you're getting this album, but all this other body of work, look how productive we are, look how things are coming through, look at what we're writing. You know, once we've done this, most most labels will require content, you know, two three times a year they'll want stuff regularly and that's if you signed massive huge bands they'll be like where's the next album where's the next album metallica spend a couple of years in between each album but i guarantee there'll be someone at q prime or whatever talking about that sound wednesday any any chat what are we looking at for the next songs what are we looking at next 
because it's all about content. If you're not writing songs, you're not a band. It's as yeah. simple as that. It's the fuel that, that does that. You've got to have content. And from an artistic point of view, you should be writing stuff anyway because you're getting through all the shit songs. You're getting to hone your craft and getting better to where you need to be. So if you're, if you're come out, we come out of this in lockdown and you've just got enough for one album, you haven't been working hard enough. You need to have a whole load of stuff. So the minute the album drops you, you're already ready for the next stuff and the next stuff and the next stuff. You should have had a fucking, you should have a, a, an iPhone full of fucking riffs. I'm not in a band. I'm not in a band. And I still have an iTunes, uh, iTunes, iPhone full of riffs because I've got to, I've got to record because I don't know when I might play them. But I, I just sit there in it. Like a, imagine a day, how many riffs you get done and songs you get wrote. And it helps you become a better artist as well. More songs you should every every artist says you should write as many songs as you can. And conversely, every record label says you should write as many songs as you can. There's a clue here. You should be writing and writing a lot. Yep. And I think the funny thing when you said that was uh <laughs> I, I've got a uh, I've made tracks onto and I haven't even released the first one. But I've made tracks about halfway through my third solo album. Reaper is releasing an EP in between our second release. And we're working on a covers EP as well afterwards. So we're piecing together enough material for two more at least releases between now and album two. And for myself, I have two albums completely written top to bottom for the solo stuff. And I'm halfway through my third I've got an idea of what I'm going to do conceptually with the fourth. So I've got about seven releases just on the back burner when I've got the money to just drop And and some people listening might be like, that's too much. That's too much. You're doing too much. You're spreading yourself thin. The reality is that out of those six or seven projects, two or three might not see the light of day at all. Two or three might take a a year, maybe longer to, to reach fruition. But the point is that you've got a well to go back to each time. You're not sitting there going, okay, what's the next thing? Well, I haven't got anything. You know that if you go, okay, well, it isn't really working with this particular solo thing. I'll go back and do the Reaper thing. Okay, it's not working with that. I'll go and do this. All the time, you've got this kind of thing that you can kind of go back to and kind of work on. Because there'll be a lot of bands that are like, well, there'll be a lot of artists that will be like, my band's not recording anything at the moment. And the other guys in the band or girls in the band aren't really productive. Go and do a solo album. What did you want to do? Okay, I want to do a, a, a set of classical pieces on the, on a classical guitar. Go and write them then. I want to write a fucking piano concerto. Go and write that then. There's no fucking rules here. Art doesn't have rules. The point of art is you're meant to keep producing it and let other people decide if it's any good or not. It doesn't fucking matter. Just keep producing art. Keep producing stuff. And whether it be an album, whether it be a piece of music, whether it be an a, a cappella piece or whatever, or a piece of writing, it doesn't matter. The point is to keep doing it. So just to kind of almost close up on, on Twitch slightly, one of the things that was, was interesting about Twitch is, from what I can see, is it kind of gives you a route map to success. It kind of gives you little goals, doesn't it? Which is nice. Like, So explain to, to the listeners what uh, affiliates are then. Okay, so... There are effectively, like, it's really interesting because Twitch sets itself out like a video game in that it gives you a set of achievements and goals, but with real actual reward, which is very interesting. They have, like, sub goals. They'll have an average viewer, um, an average viewer uh, achievement of, like, have an average amount of people of this, get five people in your chat talking at once in a given stream, 
so on. They'll give you windows of opportunities to strive for. Now, at the very beginning, you'll have your getting started thing, which is basically like get like five followers, have one person or two people watching your thing, just so that they're showing that it's like you're not just putting a stream up and just, like, you know, streaming yourself eating a ham sandwich for four and a half hours because, you know, yeah. you know, although weirdly enough, there's the dude going around who's just putting lazy bands round stuff until it explodes. Milk, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. We'll watch anything um, by day. That was mad. But and then after that, uh, affiliate is like your first major step up where it's like, okay, get 50 followers, average viewer base of three people or more, uh, stream on seven different days, and then stream for, I think it was 24 hours, not at once, obviously, but just yeah. like over the course of time. And those were four things that were like, if you manage to make them, you can make affiliate. So when you make affiliate, you're then able to have subscriptions, which is basically people who want to chime in and make a monthly fee to you so that they can exchange that for rewards in the chat. So you can make little emojis or have little mini games or have little things to do while they're streaming. Because while they're doing something that you might not be super interested in, you can just go down into the chat and play like little mini games and so on. Like, like it's literally like games of pairs and stuff like that, like little mini card games and stuff. It's just, you know, little side things. On top of that, though, it gives you a semi-monthly income. Now, it might be literally that one person chimes in a month at a time to come in and give you five quid a month, but it's five quid a month, and it's viewers, and it's people looking at your stuff, and it's people finding your merchandise site and your social medias, and when all of this lifts, your gigs. So if you're targeting people in specific areas, Twitch can be accessed by anyone in the world so if you find that you're, based on the time that you're streaming, that most people who are watching you live in, let's say, Stockholm, Sweden, you know, and then they start spreading it around to the rest of Sweden, you might develop a, like, obviously this is just an example, but you might develop a Scandinavian fan base, and they're rabid for the kind of music that we do. As a result, you then go, oh, it might actually be financially viable for us to do an overseas tour. There's your next step for your band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. Uh, I think the one of the, one of the things that I, I learned from, like, we'll talk about analytics in a bit. But one of the things that um, I kind of looked at was where the people listen to. SoundCloud was a good example. Of this I embraced that. That seemed to work for me. And on SoundCloud, there was people listening in the states, and I was like, I've got friends who are, who, who are based in the states. And then there was people listening in weird parts of the world where I know I didn't have any friends in. And I was like, okay, who are these people? And like you say, so as a sidebar again to that, when Iron Maiden toured South America and toured some of those places, one of the things that they said is uh, that they decided to book was they went and seen which countries were pirating their work the most, okay? And, and the reason being is they were like, well, okay, these people can't get to see us live, so they tend to be pirating stuff, merch, music, whatever it may be. We're going to absolutely fucking destroy it when we play live there because they're going to be rabid for, for us to play because they can't see us live they booked large portions of their tour based on where piracy was going they used the analytics to figure out in south america there's there's a kid who's never seen iron maiden so if we play an iron maiden show he's gonna fucking move heaven and earth to get to that show is he gonna buy merch you fucking damn skippy he's gonna buy merch because you can't get it anywhere else he can't buy it and get it sent in because he lives in fucking a favela or something like that. So he's going to have to, you know, <laughs> he lives in a fucking, in, 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 a, in a part of town maybe they don't fucking do Amazon delivery to. So he, he, there's some wonderful documentaries about when they played in India and stuff in South America. 
about people traveling, walking mad, crazy distances to come and see them because it was in a football stadium or whatever. Yeah. And and it just, I think it's fascinating. And so what they did is they kind of worked smart. And this is a band that's been going a long, long time, multiple decades. And they, even they learned to embrace technology and do it the right way. You know, and like think about this as well as, a, as another sidebar. Um, is that Lars, who often is, you know, seen as the devil of the internet because of, of the Napster thing, he very quickly realized that if they record a show, that people want a copy of that show and he sell, you can buy that. So you can watch Metallica play in Manchester two or three days later down the line. There's a full version of that show you can buy for like five pounds or whatever the fuck it is, 10 pounds and download it. How many people do that? There was probably 15,000 people at that show. Do you know what I mean? If they all bought it, it it's all about, it doesn't matter the age of your band. You can, there's always new tricks you can learn. There's always new things you can do. So Twitch seems really interesting. I don't know. I mean, I've kind of avoided it myself. Maybe, maybe it, it is worth doing this live, do a spoken metal show live and see how it goes. Maybe, I mean, I've got to, the, the whole point of this conversation is I've got to look at, you know, be open. whenever two people get into a conversation, both people, in my opinion, should come away knowing more or at least more enthused about the particular subject that they're talking about. And I think, I think I might have to look at Twitch. I might, I might have to look at it and, and see what, what if it's something I need to do. It's legitimately worth a look, just based on the fact that now, this, this is another reason why we went into it. Facebook now, and Angel Mary from Fat Angel made note of this, and it's a really, really good analytic. How many times now, because you post to Instagram and Facebook, how many people do you see on Facebook now compared to Instagram? Mm. You, ideally, probably right at the moment, see more on Facebook than Instagram. Because people want conversations more than they want to see what people are doing. Because yeah. no one is doing fucking anything because everyone's yeah. stuck inside. Yeah. So Instagram, our Instagram crowd has now equalized with our Facebook crowd. That's right. not typical. We have more followers on Facebook, but we have less engagement on Facebook because most of the time you're posting about gigs. We don't have that now. So as a result, it's like, well, you know, when we were posting about gigs, people wanted to see that on Instagram. Whereas on Facebook, they wanted the conversation. And there weren't that many people that wanted conversations. Now there are. So it's like, well, what's the best place for you to be able to interact with your crowd at a moment's notice? Twitch. Twitch is the best place for it because there's only like a 10-second delay. You can literally just sit in a room, effectively, full of people and the artists you want to support and follow and just have a chat with them while they're working away at stuff that no one else is going to see but you. Yeah. Yeah. I think... I think it's definitely something I need to I need to consider because that's there's nothing better than the, the to and fro of talking to your audience. You're gonna find out which songs they like, you're gonna find out what they don't like, you know, the kind of the stuff that you should work on. I imagine you've generated an enormous amount of contacts from simply doing that. Just talk to not, people. The biggest thing that we've gained from this, the biggest thing that we've got is we know now about four or five legitimate core, hardcore fans of our stuff. Yeah. Because they turn up to every single one they can. Yeah. And whenever we see that, we've got a mate of ours, Sav, who's been like following us, following the bands that I'm in till the end of the year because I'm mates with them from college. But he also genuinely loves the work in Reaper. And we've also got a mate of ours, Sean Fleming, who has been a massive, massive supporter of our stuff. Um, and they turn up to any stream that they can. And we've got a bunch of pals of ours who always tune in as well that have said, hey, listen, um, I'd ha- we'd happily like model your merchandise for you which is more stuff for you to put on the site and so on so it's just like you're basically building 
a small condensed fan base or a smaller fan base on Twitch, but it's quality of the fans in Twitch versus quantity like it is on Facebook. We have nearly 2,000 followers on Facebook and we get anywhere at a peak on Twitch of 9 to 10 viewers. But those people have got every piece of merch we have. And if you've got 10 people who are going to come to every show and buy all your stuff, keep making merch, they'll keep getting it, they'll keep promoting, they'll tell their friends, friends become fans. It's just a chain. Yeah. Where does, where does kind of the, 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 the big sort of one that will most fans, especially if they're not really used to promoting their stuff or working with social media, um, Facebook seems to be the first stop. How useful is that? How useful have you found it? Is that a place for a band? How constricting is it? What's your thoughts on Facebook as a, as a means to, to an end? Right now, I, I mean, to be fair, Facebook, until, until the day where a better social media site comes out that everyone flocks to the way that they did with Facebook, Facebook is going to be, unfortunately, essential. You, right. you can't not have a fucking Facebook page. What band in their right mind goes, yeah, we're going to avoid Facebook. No yeah. one has. No yeah. band in their right mind would. Yeah. You see plenty of them avoiding Twitter, and with good reason. It's a cesspool of yeah. just echo chambers and content creators who put up on YouTube and things. And they're, they're the good side, the yeah. content creators. If, 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 if someone's looking at uh, Facebook now, and we had to create a list of things that they should have, what, what should they have on their pages, and what should they be looking at with, the, with their interaction on Facebook? Um, kit out every single part of your page as much as is humanly possible, even if it means you're doing stupid shit on them, for example. You get the option to put, like, all sorts of different things to your Facebook about page yeah, that people can go to. You can have a shop, you can have an about, you can have um, an impressum, you can have all sorts of these other things, right? Kit out every single one of them. Reaper have legitimately, for a laugh, made a fucking menu, right? <laughs> We've made a menu. Right. And all it is, is just our merch, but described like food. <laughs> okay. Just that. That's it. Okay. It's just like, it's just another thing. Cause it's like, well, why not have every single thing possible available at your advantage? Because if someone searches food and accidentally stumbles upon metal merch, that's hilarious. And then you see that, it's like, oh, that's really funny. I wonder what that band's doing. Oh, gee, I'm a big rock or metal fan. I guess I'll go and listen to them. And now they're buying your merch because they found you describing you know, comparing your shirt to a pork loin. Is there, is there, how do I word this delicately? Is there almost a snobbery of some bands going, oh, I don't want to show me ass and, and, and do something stupid on Facebook, you know, like, uh, you know, all dress up as this or post pictures or would do something funny because I think it takes away from the music. Do you think there's some, an element of that? I think, very few have that. I think plenty of them have the exact opposite. I think some bands don't take themselves seriously enough because they're afraid of putting their legitimate ideas out there and right. being told that they need to improve because it's very easy oh, for you okay. to have. So say, for example, like... With, we originally had Sigil uh, on there, which did extremely well. Far better than all of our stupid videos, but I thoroughly enjoy making the stupid, stupid, stupid advertisements that I do. And they do okay as well. But comparatively, for all of the meme videos that we put on our YouTube, if you combine the views on them, they're like three quarters of what we made on Sigil in a week and a half, right? It's now been, I think, two weeks. No, sorry. It's been three weeks, sorry, 
since we dropped Sigil, and that's the most viewed video that we have. And probably by the end of April, it will be it'll have more views than it than most of the videos we've got combined. So all those stupid videos, they're great fun, and people laugh at them and things. But you'll see bands that are posting all of the stupid stuff and not willing to put their neck out on the line to put up the serious stuff because they're afraid ah, of okay. being told, ah, your actual work isn't actually worth that much. Ah, so you're saying that, 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 that there may be some out there that were like, yeah, we could do the stupid stuff. And you're like, okay, you've got me with the with the silly stuff, but your actual, good, your, your main body of work is, isn't very good or there's not much of it or it's, it, it's, it's, it's not that great. Um, yeah, I, I can understand that. I can understand that totally. So where does where does Instagram fit in then for yourself? How do you find Instagram, and what should someone be doing with an Instagram page for their band? For Instagram consistency, and this those this goes for most social media pages, right? But put uh-huh. it this way, Instagram is like a pop up book version of Facebook. That's okay. what it is. You are basically seeing pretty pictures of people doing things all the time. You can't post something on Instagram without a photo or a video. People want to see things. They want to visualize things. They want to consume things. On Facebook, they want to have arguments and very occasionally conversations. On Instagram, they want to consume as much media as they possibly can. And sometimes it's just shit posting. Sometimes it's just stupid Instagram filters closed up on people's faces. And sometimes it's legitimately good music and advertisement. Do all three. Everything you possibly can. You should be uploading to your stories and Instagram if not daily, once every two or three days at the absolute bare minimum. And we have fallen short of that every now and again. And it shows on your next post. Because when you post the next thing, it's either going to explode and then the next few posts are going to do absolutely nothing or it's going to do absolutely nothing and the rest of your posts are going to get like, well, again, absolutely nothing. If it's consistent, your viewer base is consistent. So you've got to keep moving on that. Instagram in particular is probably got the most is probably got the shortest attention span for um for a user base out of any of the social media platforms. I think that's interesting that you talk about uh, attention span. So that kind of uh, there's there's a large a large held belief that if if a, if a website doesn't post something uh, in a week uh, for an entire week it is completely dead. And it's to, to, uh, like for me if a band hasn't posted something for an entire week I think that the, you, you might as well start again. That's how fickle it is. I was looking at, like, kind of analytics of when to post stuff and, and things, and I'm pretty much posting stuff daily. And I'm ju- I'm just a podcast, you know, just a podcast, but I'm still posting sort of daily. And like you say, it becomes very interesting to, to see kind of the effects of if you miss it for a little bit or you don't post something for a little bit, the effect that has on the follow-on there. Before we get into analytics, and we'll talk about that in a sec, we haven't even talked about Sigil yet. We haven't even talked about it. So <laughs> we should okay. probably should. We're an hour in, Dan. So. We're an hour in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll try and get through the musical stuff that I've got going on at the moment okay. as quickly as I can so people can indulge. Sigil is the most recent release that Reaper have put out. It's a song kind of about two opposing sides. It's a song about how opposing sides that worship their own power figure are basically propping up the same ideal of um, like a power race, effectively. If you're going to look into it as politics, you could see it as left wing, extreme left versus extreme right, and no one wants center anymore. Everyone just wants to clab, clobber and batter each other because it's content that everyone can pull up and argue about and get validated by, by their own little echo chambers. 
And the funny thing is, is beyond all of that, all of these people that they're worshipping, they don't give a shit. They don't care. They're just people who are reigning in the dollar and doing their jobs. And half the time they don't even know they're doing it, but they're basically pitting these two sides against each other for dollar. You see it in football matches all the time. So let's say, for example, you've got a derby on, right? Some of the most vicious people in the world come out when football matches kick off. How utterly pathetic do you have to be as a collective that you feel the need to cause legitimate violence over a game where people make 2,000 times more in a week than you make in a year? It's ridiculous. So does, the whole Sigil, does Sigil refer to the, the kind of the banner that you kind of support? Is that yeah. like, I, I, I understand. And that, and that goes for things like football and sport and conflicts. I imagine that scales up to religion and religious yeah. beliefs and persecution and that type of thing. And then I imagine it goes as far to as intolerances about race, about society, about sex and everything. It comes sigil is something that you stand behind. You know, it's uh, you, so it's a belief, isn't it? Uh, however yeah. unfounded, however, however kind of um, unrealistic or ever completely wrong. It's something that you stand behind and for one of a better way fight for. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude. So I'm going to get into my lyric stuff here. There is one thing that I will pride myself on, and it is as a lyricist. I think I'm a legitimately good lyricist, and I genuinely think that sigil is some of my best work. Because in the last couple of lines in it, I could go on for ages about the rest of it. But in the moments where it's got this kind of like megaphone effect in the middle, the lyrics in it are, I am dogma, co's and vigil, so don't you touch my fucking sigil. And then it's uh, um, virtue sigma, rapture virgil. So those moments, uh, basically, I am dogma, so I am, you know, this this is the point of view where, like, each side is kind of trying to fire off at each other. So I am dogma is, like, I am the belief. I have become this thing. Um, I've been encapsulated by this idea that I want to support. So you're not allowed to criticize it because, by virtue, you're then criticizing me, and I won't allow that because I don't want to admit to fault. Cozened is, like, a, is, it's when, you're, when you do something that's cozened, it's a very, it's something that is riddled with, uh, what's the word? Um, it's kind of like a sly or a very um, aggressive or sneaky way of doing something. So cozened vigil is basically, you know, shedding a tear for something that you don't even really believe in. And then um, virtue sigma is like the addition of virtue, obviously, is something that you're, um, when, you, when, you, when you're virtuous, you're basically fighting for beliefs so virtue sigma is you're collecting all of your beliefs and you're not looking into any of them rapture virgil is virgil was the person who guided dante through the uh, seven planes of hell and obviously the rapture being the end of the world so it's basically them guiding them off the fucking cliff and then yeah. the last uh, the line before it goes into the solo is show me what you'll die for and it's basically that's the moment where both sides kind of clash wow. <laughs> so yeah so in that section, in those lyrics, it's effectively saying, you know, I will embody every single belief possible and gorge on them until I physically become that belief and a caricature, a shadow of a person. And as a result, then I will then use that to attack people on behalf of something that realistically doesn't even give a shit about me. But I don't care because it fits my belief system. Wow. And that's like, that's one song. That's one part of one song. That's one part of one song. <laughs> <laughs> why was why was the choice what was the choice to kind of do this do one song at a time if you know what i mean like with death games and then sigil what was the kind of instead of waiting and doing them as an ep or as an album what was the the thought process there 
Well, the thing is, Sigil is now going to become an EP. We're going to work on a couple of other songs and build those together so we can have a consistent idea because the artwork Barnaby did is too good to not put on the CD. Yeah. But with the rest of the stuff that we've done, Death Games and the eventual release that we'll make later on, uh, Death Games is going to end up on album two. The reason we wanted to release them is just because we were like, well, these songs sound great and they have great crowd response. And in particular, Sigil is what we open our sets with and Death Games is what we close our sets with. So okay. we were like, well, it makes sense for people to have their initial impression and their lasting impression of a live show be available for them to consume online. And then all the stuff in between, we can fit with the artistic stuff that we want to present to represent what we're feeling at the moment. So yeah. it kind of bookends the live sets. But equally as well, man, honestly, people just like the songs. And we were like, well, we should record them because these are really good fucking songs. So yeah. let's just put them out. Is it, is it the thought process as well that if you release this all as a, as a long-form album of 10, 12 songs, that maybe some of these songs would get lost in the shuffle that wouldn't have to maybe the, the focus? The, 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 so people don't listen to albums anymore in full, unfortunately. You know, people take what they want you know, and, and individual tracks, and sometimes that can mean certain songs getting lost in the shuffle. You know what I mean? They don't get the focus. If, 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 you, if you're releasing single songs at, at a time... Does it mean that people can look at like at the lyrics and stuff like that, can involve themselves more in a piece rather than having, well, here's 12 songs to, to break down and unpack? I think there is a point to that. I think I think there is something of value in that where when we're releasing a single song, it, uh, it encapsulates the uh, potential viewer base onto one specific thing. So they are able to pay more attention to one specific idea. And on top of that, they're not having to like, take on this massive thing because uh, full disclosure second album is going to be about 75 minutes in length we've genuinely debated it make debated making it a double but yeah. the reason it can fit onto one disc we were like well we'll just treat it like two sides every song's going to be in a different key the longest song is roughly 15 minutes is it concept or no 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 it's basically with re it's, it's interesting with this from a solo stuff each album sort of has either a loose concept or a very defined concept Reaper's albums are almost like challenges. The first one was like, okay, can we self-engineer something and do this entirely off our own backs? This one was, what can we do if we write a song in every single key? And what thematic avenues can we explore as a band, as a whole? And we've got other ideas and challenges for the next ones. Like, what can we do with extended range? But instead of tuning down, what happens when we tune the music up? Is that going to develop a different sort of sonic playing field for us to work with? Like, it's each album is kind of like us. Think, challenging our musicianship. I think that's a, that's another interesting piece of advice for, for for quarantine musicians as well is that you know you should be challenging yourself. Can one of the best practice routines for I, I don't want to microcosm this to a guitar player, but I will. Is one of the <laughs> most most successful things you can do as a musician is put a for example last night I I'm I, I one of my kind of hidden secrets and I, and, I, and I'm putting it right out here on on the metal show is I like jazz I like jazz guitar players and. You know, Alex Golnick means it's a, uh, we're allowed to listen to jazz now. Yeah. Uh, yep. Metalheads can listen to that. And I put on a backing track of a, a D a major a chord progression that was on for like 10 minutes and played only within that key. And because yep. of those constraints, it made me do no, cho no choices that I wouldn't have normally chosen. Then you do other things where you can only play using double stops or you can only play... Uh, using uh, this thing or that thing or this tune or whatever, those things are chances for you to kind of experiment and challenge yourself. 
I think it's really interesting that you pick something because you're like, we've never engineered before. Let's try engineering our own record. And let, everybody should be doing that. Everybody should go and should be, you should be embracing those things that you don't know how to do. Like say, okay, well, we're locked down now. So I have to learn how to record a guitar into a laptop. Okay. Go and fucking learn how to do that then. And it'll yeah. be shit. The fi- I'm, uh, listen, complete disclaimers guys, but complete disclaimers to everybody. The first things you do are going to be shit. There you go. I've, yeah. I've spoiled the ending for you. Well, actually, I've spoiled the beginning because the ending is that eventually you get better and you get better and better and better. And then it becomes where you can actually do something. But it doesn't start unless you challenge yourself to move just slightly out of your comfort zone and do something that you haven't done. And it seems very clear, certainly with Sigil and certainly with the stuff that you've got planned and the stuff that you've done, that you're very happy going, right, well, how do I challenge myself? And that's a real... That's a real ego breaker that to, to do that because some people have an ego where it's like, I don't want to move outside my circle because I'm uncomfortable. And I don't want to look stupid. And the yeah. real secret, the real secret is no one cares. No one cares if you look stupid. Oh, You've yeah. got you, the world's your oyster. As long as you don't hurt anybody, the world's your oyster. Start these things off, get them moving, challenge yourself. And eventually you will get better. And moreover, Record the whole fucking journey because people want to see that. Yeah, people love seeing people develop. It's like, why Why do you think people watch Netflix shows so much? And why do you think shows like Breaking Bad and Ozark and Sons of Anarchy and things like that do so well? Character development? They don't give a yeah. shit about the world. Let's be honest, right? Sons of Anarchy did not need to be seven seasons long. <laughs> necessary but it's brilliant why because the characters are interesting and the thing is you see that more on youtube now and why youtube and netflix in terms of streaming platforms have almost got a monopoly i mean disney's because kind of very very just scarily closing up on that but never mind that's that's a conversation for a different thing um but when you're looking at these things like people go to netflix to watch like fictional characters be written into situations that they need to find their way out of youtube is that but in real life that's what youtube is so so we 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 looked at instagram we looked at twitch quite a bit we looked at facebook we 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 thought that maybe twitter wasn't possibly something that maybe it's something to consider but no maybe not as much youtube where does where did that come into your play what did you want to do with youtube and how did you want to kind of weaponize that for want of a better word okay you can't make bullshit on Spotify and expect it to do well. You need to have it legitimized, basically. Mm. You can release some absolute bullshit on Spotify, and you can release some really funny, terrific comedic works. Bands like Footprints in the Custard and Raised by Ours being primary examples. They're absolutely hilarious, and they're expert comedians for music. Yeah. Beyond that, though, if you're a serious band and you're putting out serious music, you kind of throwing them a curveball by releasing like just stupid bullshit music, and it's like, okay, that was funny. When's the actual stuff coming, mm. right? And maybe there is something to be said about that. I don't know. On YouTube, however, everyone, everyone loves mid to low tier shit posting. Everyone loves it because it's just stupid, dumb humor, and it's stuff that circulates and goes around everywhere. Your friends like it. Family members might like it. People on the internet absolutely lap that shit up, right? Which is why YouTube's ideal, because you can do what you do on Spotify and be a legitimate artist while also being a massive meme. Ego, my stupid shit that I put on YouTube consistently. (laughs) 
I advertise with one goal in mind, and that is to make someone laugh. Because if someone's laughing at your stuff and they find it hilarious, they want to share that and be validated by their friends by saying, hey, isn't this something really funny to watch? Comedy is a great way to advertise something. And the best kind of comedy that goes around on the internet right now is just stupid meme stuff, which is why that's kind of how I advertise our things. When it comes to the music, we advertise it very seriously. YouTube gives you the platform for both. Mm, that's interesting. That's interesting. And I think we've kind of covered quite a lot of it. There are many other streams and things you can do out there. I think we've covered some of the main ones and, and kind of explained a little bit of an overview to someone who hasn't hasn't been initiated. If we were if we were sitting there with a brand new band that was untouched by the internet, what would you suggest? their roadmap would be to putting their band out there at this current time? What would they, what would they start with? What would you suggest getting in place? Honestly, just do stuff. I know that sounds really simple, right? And I know it sounds like it's, I'm not giving you much of an answer. Just do shit. Just put stuff on there. Who cares? It's like, yeah, your first four videos might just advertisements or it might be legitimately good music, but like, you're not really going to get a statistic for what works and what doesn't unless you're trying as much as possible and putting stuff out there to people. Otherwise, what is the point in having a YouTube page? That's what we did. Like, take it from me, right? We had 37 subscribers at the beginning of this year. And when it got to, um, I think, like, just early, like, at late March time, we had 47. We gained 10 subscribers in three months. That is shit. Let me put that up. Like, like that, yeah. that's shit considering, right? That's the, it's not shit like in terms of actual growth of the first band. Your first hundred subscribers are a nightmare and your first thousand are hellish. But for a band that's had a YouTube page since 2016, yeah, it's pretty bad to have 47 subscribers come March 2020. That's pretty awful. By April, when we released Sigil and did all this stupid stuff and released, you know, our trailer video, we were like, well, let's just do stupid stuff and just put it on. We enjoy making it. It's funny. Most of our fans are just like, most of our fans realize that we're utter dipshits. Let's just put it on, see what happens. Lo and behold, our subscriber count nearly, like more than doubled in the space of two weeks. It's like, the proof's there. People just want stuff. Mm. You know, in a consumer market, the best thing you can give people is something to actually sink their teeth into. Yeah. Content is, content is very much king, is very much kind of like a, uh, th- and, and and ultimately, I imagine there'll be an enormous amount of executives and, and labels and promotion companies now trawling the internet. Just tr- They do anyway, but trawling oh, yeah. the internet because they'd be like, if this band's putting this much effort in when there's downtime, then we need to be looking at them. You know, There'll be a lot of bands that'll be signed from this because they could show that they could develop and show that they could produce content regularly. It's almost like a little proven ground now. It's like a little test this where they're like, okay, You've got all your time constraints knocked off you now. What are you doing? How much could you prepare? And if you can't put a lot of stuff out now, fucking hell, you're not going to be putting out an awful lot of stuff when you get signed or move to a production company or promotions company. You're not going to do it. So this is kind of almost this whole period of time is a fucking test. Yeah. And do you know what? I was just about to say the same thing. I think now more than ever with everyone having to like stick to the internet when you're looking at stuff like this, right? When you're looking into, or when these companies are looking into you as a band and they see that you've got a bunch of spare time, 
the reason why we're doing this is because it's like you realize that once the lift comes, you need to keep this up. Yeah, because if yeah. you do, you're going to prove to those companies, wow, they're doing the same level of work whilst also working day jobs. Now, that might mean you have to work into the night, but if you want this life, man, and you want to push as hard as you can to get this done, and honestly, I realized this through leaving Ashen. I realized this through looking at the amount of graft that they put in when they got their new members. They were flying. They got endorsed by New Tone Strings, and if you guys are listening, massive congrats. That's that's massive. And both of their guitarists have made that King of the Six String Challenge as well, and, you know, because they just work hard. They're really hard workers. And when I realized I was looking at them, I was like, that's what I should have been doing with Reaper since day one, and I haven't. And now I'm on the back foot. So instead of me going, oh, I'm just going to wallow in pity and sit around with me thump my ass and cry myself to sleep, it's like, okay, well, go and do it then. Well, you've got no room to cry. You've got no excuse for it. Go and fucking do something. Yeah. that's. I think, you know, if there's anybody out there listening to this, and there will be, is just start just start yeah. and if it doesn't work out just start something else and keep going and keep going and keep going because your audience will find you it will find you one of the truest things i've ever heard is someone say that the people who are successful in life who have day jobs are successful because when they go home they start their other job so when i come home from a day job when i come home i start that other job i work just as hard and yet it means that i don't see as many people and I don't do some stuff and I don't have as much free time, but it, it makes me some more successful in the long run because I've applied myself to something I love and, and something that will ultimately, you know, I can do all the time. That's the goal here, ladies and gentlemen, is if we if done well, these various streams out there can give you money so you can reduce the hours you do, almost maybe even quit the job you've done. It's it, These things are possible, but they all start with that first move. Like, they all start with that first move. Yeah, and the big thing as well is massive advice to anyone who's going to start working on this, right? Develop solid metrics for success that don't base themselves around material gain because if they do, you're going to get eaten the fuck alive. Yeah. You are going to fall on your ass. If you're going to measure your success as a Twitch streamer or a YouTuber or a band or any sort of content creator in a subjective medium in an extremely competitive market... If you're measuring that by how much money you're making, you're going to quit after video four, probably yeah. earlier, because what is the bloody point? You're going to look at it and go, well, because there's two, there's two outcomes for that, right? You either don't make that goal of, you know, 1,000 subscribers or 10,000 subscribers or a million subscribers. You don't make that goal and you feel jaded and you feel like you've not, you know, you feel worthless and you've, you've lost all of that, that triumph. You've lost all of that spark and you have to kind of, get onto it or you know your album doesn't do well because you've not done much marketing and things like that uh or the other thing is is you do actually achieve it and when you make those goals you're done and you go yes i've made it and then you wake up the next day and it's done and you're thinking well what now i've not got anything left to strive for it's put out it's done well i've made some money it's all finished what am i meant to do now and then you're lost and then you don't have a sense of direction and that makes you feel worthless mm. so if you're going to set yourself a target, set yourself something that requires constant maintenance. So one of the things that you hit upon there as well is that um, I'll, I'll kind of tie this up now as we approach the hour and a half mark here is that we, 
you can listen to uh, when. How often do you do you do your, your Twitch stream then? Because people will want to ask you questions about this, and a lot because they want to ask me questions about this as well. When do you do your streams? We do our streams Wednesday and Saturday nights from 6 p.m. till 10 p.m. And we have occasionally a one-hour break between eight and nine. For the time being, it's very inefficient. For the time's good because most of our fans are, are you know awake and not key workers aren't working around that time. And also with Dalton being awake, we can all get together. Um, but unfortunately, because of the nature of having to take a break in between, because of how much content we've got to work with and people needing to go and eat and do all that jazz, you kind of need to keep your stream on the whole time. Having the break's not very efficient. We're trying to work through that, but for now, that's what we're doing. Wow. So I think we've give certainly uh, we'll give a whole banquet of thought uh for for people to kind of take away there and kind of gestate and stuff and they'll have a lot of questions and i suggest you direct some of the questions you i'll i'll field some of them direct them to, to to dan as well certainly check out his stream like i will be doing and kind of see what's going on out there and ask questions and and, and dan's very open dan talks about his successes and his failures in a very open sort of way and, it, and it's really refreshing to hear that so i suggest you check out more than anything i suggest you take out his band because they're fucking really good um, yeah. and i'll put li- i'll put links on 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 the show as well but um yeah well i think i think we, we covered t- some good stuff on there and naturally of course uh we'll get we'll get that on again uh on the show again uh, you know second time let's let's keep it going we'll get them on multiple times there's always something to talk about there's always something to go through i always feel as though i don't work hard enough when i talk to Dan. I always think, <laughs> fucking hell, but motherfucker's really putting the, the time in, like, he's getting it done while I'm sitting here, like, so, you know, I, I appreciate that, because I always come away motivated, and I hope the listeners do too, so, you know, once again, thanks for thanks for being on the show, Daniel Moran. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, dude, uh, just before we sign off, if any of you guys want to support the cause, uh, we're don- as I said earlier on, we're uh, donating all of our proceeds from our royalties, Bandcamp donations, which is officialreaperuk.bandcamp.com uh, forward slash releases. You can get a free download of Sigil uh, and Death Games, or you can donate them. We're going to be sending the money off to the Imperial Health Organization to fund COVID studies. We're also at purchasemerchants.com, where we're selling brand new merchandise that's going to be coming in basically by the month. Uh, half of the money we make from that's going to the COVID studies as well. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram.com at forward slash official UK. Book us for shows for official UK at hotmail.co.uk. And if you guys want to keep up to date with any stuff that we've got going on, Twitch is the same handle. You know where to go now. So there's no fucking excuses. <laughs> Dan always fucking hustling. I fucking love it. God He's just fucking right. always hustling. Ask us Are you doing the same? Could you say all this shit too? Fantastic. Daniel Moran from Reaper. Thank you, man. Thank you very much. Daniel Moran there from Reaper. Get anything from that? Was that interesting at all? I think there were some points there that I kind of learned and took on board and maybe addressed with the way the Spoken Metal show was put out there and people kind of listening to, to that as well. I, I think that that's, we put up some good suggestions. You might take something from that. You might take no, nothing from that. But it's just clear that in order to get through this quarantine sort of thing, we have to really work at what we do as our craft and stuff. We've got time to be a better guitar player, be a better drummer, bassist, whatever it may be. We've got time to look at the, the, our, our band and, and our projects and the things that we're doing. And now is a great time, like we talked about on the on on there. There's artists out there who are sitting at home, you know, who, who, who need to get the to get paid, need to sustain their lives. 
So we can approach them and start getting commissioned artwork and stuff like that. It doesn't stop, it just changes. So I hope you got something from that and found it even semi-interesting. As as I always do with these podcasts, I just hope to kind of give uh, some different points of view, some options, maybe uh, you know, enthuse you to kind of do something yourself as well. So please, as always, you know, comments and 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 sort of send me things that you you think we should be doing and things that maybe we've missed off. Maybe there's a whole channel of stuff, a whole medium out there that we haven't even talked about yet. Speaking of which, for off the back of this, I went on uh, get into this live stream. And off the back of that, I decided to do a the Spoken Metal live show on a Friday between 8 and 10. It's going to be done by Facebook Live. We're going to see how it goes. It should be a lot of fun. Hey, you know, we'll see how it works out. I think it's going to be uh, I think it's something worth maybe your time. Have a little bit of listen and, and see what you think. Prepare some questions if you want. We can do an Ask Me Anything. We can do all that as well. But as always, we will get through this. We will get to the end of this. And I will see you all at the show.